Yo, yo, yo. Welcome, family. Uh, I was going to say sneaker family, but really, you know, we're bigger than just sneakers. So welcome, family. You all are welcome here at the picnic known as the Outside the Box podcast. Uh, I happen to be one of the voices you hear on that show, and uh, my name is Jacques Slade, a.k.a. Cousteau, but of course, of course, you didn't come here to hear me. You came here to hear the, like, the beautiful, intelligent, articulate, well-thought, like, just the, the two smartest people that I know when it comes to this sneaker thing. And I'm talking about Nick Ingvall and Tiffany Beers. Nick, tell them where they can find you. Uh, There's a lot of pressure this episode already, and we just got into it. So uh, uh, my name is Nick Ingvall. I've worked in the sneaker industry for about a decade. And you can find me at Nick Ingvall on all platforms and also at Sneaker History on all platforms. But really, uh, I think all of those uh, descriptive, beautiful descriptive words are about Tiffany, who... Um, we both just really want to learn from. So, uh, Tiffany, go ahead and introduce yourself. I'm Tiffany Beers, and you can find me at Tiffany Beers on Instagram and YouTube. And these two, I mean, it's like it's like they give themselves no credit, you know? Like, I mean, it's the Jacques Slade and the Nick Engvall. Like, I'm so honored to be here. I can't say Nick's last name yet, but I'm working on it. Well, I, I feel better that. Tiffany Beers called me the Jacques Slade. Uh, I'm gonna kind of that that's that's a bit of a feather in my cap. Uh, so uh, I'm gonna make sure I wear that. Super proud. Uh, but speaking of being really really proud, uh, I just want to say thank you to the audience. Uh, you guys have been amazing. You guys are incredible. The feedback that we get online and the way that you guys uh, just talk back to us. You know, this is a two-way conversation. We really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. And with that being said, we're going to kick off this show, actually, with some thoughts from the audience uh, because we really think you guys are important and you guys really make this show what it is. And we're going to start off. There's some a comment from um, this one's from Instagram. And if you don't know, we're on we're outside pods on Instagram. And this comment is from I'm going to one non L Y Q O N E N O N L Y Q. And the question this one, I, I think I'm actually going to throw it to Tiffany because the it's design patents and utility patents, validity and effectiveness for upcoming shoe designers and engineers going against large brands. Now, that's just a statement, but uh, I kind of want to throw it out there and throw it over to you, Tiffany, uh, to see if you can kind of give us some insight to design patents and utility patents and a little bit about how those work if you if if you're uh, if you know that. Yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty familiar with the patent world. Um, as a product engineer or product designer, you're always dealing with patents, I would say. So a design right. patent, right, is on the aesthetics. And so usually there's like, like I remember the Nike mag when they, when they did that in 85, they got a design patent on it, right? And it was the look uh-huh. of the silhouette, right? So it, it had to include, it has to include certain things. Like you can't get a design patent on just anything. And then a utility patent is actually something that functions, like something that does something in a particular manner with a particular set of circumstances and gives you a certain result. And so uh-huh. um, both are very, very um, important patents to get. And they're, you know, definitely if you're a small brand, you have to watch out. You know, if you're gonna go in the auto lacing world, for example, there's a ton of patents in there from Nike. And um, you need to check them all. You know, you need to make sure you're designing outside of those. Uh, otherwise, it could be a big uh, headache um, <laughs> from time to time. Same with design patents. You know, there's been several over the years where people have copied like certain shoe designs, and you know, like big brands like Nike can go in and fight those and, and get the smaller brands to stop making them. And that's the kind of the whole point. You can you can have sort of exclusivity on a concept or an idea on the utility or design for a certain period of time. Now, patents used to only be seven years, but they're much longer now. I can't remember the total length of time, but it's like 10 or 14 years now. It depends on the case, you know? Um, but yeah, you can, you can kind of own a concept for a certain period of time if you can get a patent, which is, which is kind of a big deal, but it's also a big deal to pay attention to when those patents expire. 
because if you're oh. if you're interested in a certain area and you realize oh man these patents are expiring you can jump all in there right and so um, interesting yeah yeah so I, I, so you can kind of almost like catch somebody slipping if they're not paying attention yeah you can kind of slide in there and and like scoop up the patent in a sense well, no, so not really. So take Boost, for example, right? Boost patent kind of ran out a few years ago, I think. And that's why um, some other brands are able to kind of use a similar formulation, like some portion of their patent ran out. Um, and so it opened it up basically that it, it now becomes like a general use thing. So you can't jump back in and patent it again. Um, it, com- it becomes part of the public domain, if you will. And so, but you can use it. Oh, yeah. Interesting. So that so is that why Puma can use their version of Boost now? Yeah. Yeah. It also depends. You know, Puma's using it now. New Balance, I think, has a kind of a version of it that looks the same. Um, yeah. And so I don't know if Boost or Adidas originally got a design patent on the visual or just a utility patent on it, which would be on kind of the chemistry and how they make it. But either way, both of those brands oh. either worked around it or the patents expired. And they jumped in there. Wow, that's crazy. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, the patent world good to know. is pretty complex. And, and a few years ago, it actually changed to, it was like the first person to submit. Uh, and now I'm not a patent attorney, and I don't pay a ton of attention to the law of it. I just have been involved with this, so we'd have to double check on all this. But um, the first one to submit on a concept um, technically gets to own it and gets the first patent. So you want to be the first to file. Like first to file is very, very important nowadays. Um, Uh Because if someone else files before you and they can prove that they have like prior art. So prior art is like, for example, on Back to the Future. In the movie, technically when the movie came out is the art of the Back to the Future shoe, even though we never made it until you know, 2011. So, um, right. In that sense, right. they could yeah, show yeah. that they had prior art. You know, it's, it's the same thing. If like you uh, try to replicate like some artists, some famous, famous artists, um, there's prior art showing what it, it actually is. So you can't yeah. always get a patent on things like that. That's, that's crazy. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So I, that's interesting. I have a, I, I have it. a question kind of related to that for people that probably you know, might not know so much about that or understand it. Like what does like a typical, um, you know, maybe not typical, but like in your experience, what is like the number of patents that might end up in one particular shoe? Oh man. Um, it totally depends, right? Like I'm thinking just cause I'm more familiar with Nike product, you know? So if you have a Nike air product, all the air patents from back in the day, I I would imagine most of them are expired at this time, but probably some still exist. Um, So like if you have a Nike Air product, you might have a patent on an airbag. If it has like probably React or any kind of relatively new foam, there's probably patents on that. You might have a design patent on it. If it has auto lacing in it, there's definitely a ton of patents on that technology. Um, if there's a particular material like knit, maybe how they're, they're might, they might have utility patents on knit. Um, I mean, you could be, I, I mean, I think like auto lacing shoes in particular, you're probably looking at maybe 20 patents in that shoe. Um, so it, it all depends on the age of it and it depends on if pa- patents have been granted, right? Cause the process of applying for a patent so patent pending versus patent granted, that, that can be a long process sometimes. That's crazy. So do you know if someone could make something in that interim? Well, that's where... Like patent pending versus patent, patent granted? Yeah, so that's where it goes back to first to file. So if you're the first to file on that concept and after you file, other people start to make or produce if you get that patent you can ask you can ask them to cease and desist right you can ask them to shut down so it's all about when that patent actually gets granted and who gets to file it first so it can be very complicated that's amazing but that's i mean i i I mean i imagine it it, it, at the end of the day it protects the you know a business and and it all it all makes sense but it does 
you know, for a small business and, you know, in this question in particular, you know, coming from a small business angle, if you are trying to start a sneaker brand, you've definitely got to pay attention to those things. And you've almost got to be absolutely original out of the box. And that's a super hard thing to do. Um, Even, you know, as many a lot of things that we see today are derivatives of something else. And you really need to know like how much of a derivative it actually needs to be in order to protect yourself from getting in trouble. But so that's cool. Though. I, I mean, that's actually cool. I, I, I feel like we should do do a deeper dive into that sort of stuff. Maybe one of these days we do a show where we do a deeper dive into that and really talk to people. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of absolutely. And to the other side of it, there's companies that get patents on concepts like I actually think all birds might have a few patents where they're open. So they say anyone can use them because they want to advance the entire industry. And so in that case, you you make it public knowledge, basically, and you share it so that you can help advance um, everyone together. Like that's a whole different way to look at at patents, like that you're just creating it so that um, everyone can use it. Yeah, it's and like, I don't know if that's like, actually oh, that's called a patent versus a, um, it might be called something different, but um, they actually have the prior art. Like they're the first ones to show it, but then they share it with everyone instead of holding it for only themselves. Yeah, it's almost like open, so- open source coding for, you know, like, like exactly. computer engineering, yeah. right? So that's yeah. cool. Didn't, didn't uh, Nick, you're a car guy. Didn't Tesla do that? To like the big three about the battery or something like that about the the tech in the Teslas that the big three could use it. So my understanding is that that was the initial like goal, right? With the the original Roadster, I don't know how that's progressed. Tiffany might have a better idea because it it, it was one of those things where it became uh, a hot topic for a while because you know the 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 auto industry is so petty in that. Nobody wants to change because there's, you know, big oil money behind it. And I think the big three kind of tried to do the same thing that they did in the 50s with the Tucker cars where they just figured they could push Tesla out. Um, I don't know if that if that actually there. I know that their supercharger network was originally designed to be something that could support other vehicles, other charging systems. But that doesn't mean that they necessarily did it for free, right? Because they can still charge people to use those those stations that they just built them right. to support other vehicles, supposedly. But Tiffany, do you have, uh, do you know about that at all? I'm not. Yeah, sure. not specifically, but it does sound familiar. I think Tesla has done a few things where they've shared it um, with the world to advance. But you know, sometimes that's a marketing ploy. You know, like sometimes yeah. it's like. If you know you're going to try and patent something and you know you're not going to get it because maybe someone else did it, you might come out and say, like, hey, we're going to just share this with the world instead, right? Um, Mm. So it's a little bit of a political, strategic game, I think, too. I'm a fan of there not being patents, to be honest. Like, um, Really? Yeah, actually. I think if any... Because, I mean, you can lock up ideas with patents... And there can be other people inventing amazing things. Like we have such an amazing inventive culture, like human society in general, right. so inventive. You could create something that locks out someone else from doing something that you never thought possible. Yep. And you, you're like, I, on some level, I think patents are inhibiting society's growth. Um, so I, I would, I'm a fan of a patent-free society and, um, you know, Granite, the big brands and the people with the marketing dollars are going to probably win in that scenario. But if someone, if as an inventor myself, as an engineer, if I come up with something and someone can take it and build upon it and make it better, they should. I think they should go for it. You know, like it's only up to me to come up with something even better. So uh, I like the challenge and competition of it. That's awesome. I like, I like, I like the idea of that. My concern with that, I guess is the situation where say you say you do create an amazing product and you put your product out to market and you start selling it and then some big brand decides oh we're just going to take do what Tiffany created and make it and they have the marketing dollars and the spend to kind of just steal your idea and not and like sell it for themselves 
like that's I guess that's where kind of where my concern is, and I, I guess that's where my mind goes when when I think of patents and stuff like that. Do you mean it's like- much more difficult now though with social media? Like you you you're gonna have to have a good story one and two. If you're a small business and that's the scenario, likely you can't defend the patent with the big brands anyways because they'll just draw it out super long and you can't pay those legal fees anyways. So it starts uh, to become a catch twenty two in that like if you make a patent, you have to be able to defend it against everyone. And if you get multiple law, you get multiple challenges, or you're trying to defend it against multiple people, that is very expensive. Yeah, I, I can't think of the specific example, but I remember reading a few years back um, uh, an example of a. I, it was basically like a lawyer had um, somehow like acquired through like whatever company he purchased or potentially like a failing business or something like that acquired um, patent rights or something like that. And his whole thing was basically the, um, the to prevent other people from doing it. So he would essentially or his you know law firm would essentially sue people that tried to create I can't remember the example but you've seen it in movies right it's kind of a common storyline in movies but I remember reading it probably like seven or eight years ago and I think that's also one of the things that I've liked the idea of things being kind of just like patent free or like open source because it really is it's kind of like even on the marketing side like I'm I've lived on that side of the business for so long and I love the idea of the competition because it makes everybody better. There are a few bad apples that kind of take advantage and might ruin that scenario. But generally, I think you know most of society is good, and and the competitiveness is is you know what pushes us further, in my opinion. But I don't know. Yeah, there's definitely people out there that they try to come up with ideas and patent them so that other like big brands have to go buy the patent from them and that's how they make money right yeah and so there's this whole other infrastructure around patents of people making money and stuff like that and it's it's just it's kind of fascinating actually it's got its own entire ecosystem really yeah yeah you hear a lot lot of that and especially in the tech space you hear about that kind of stuff Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, well, that's a really so big shout out to one non L Y Q over on Instagram. Uh, obviously, you uh, got us all riled up already. Uh, lots of good, lots of good insight there. I think we should really. I, I honestly feel like we should do a show on that, kind of really digging in to find out, find out a little more details about that. We'll think, we'll see if we can get that going. All right, one more from the uh, the fans. This one is from J A Dylan j.a.dylan on Instagram and the question is the rise of Puma and why it's succeeding so much in the last 12 months Um, so I guess the question would be is Puma succeeding and is there a difference you have seen in the last 12 months Uh, Nick I'll go ahead and throw this one to you to start things off I definitely think that Puma has made some pretty good moves in the last 12 months I don't know that that has resulted in like you know uh dollar like you know revenue increased revenue for them but i do think that the previous like two to three years for puma were really challenging in that they didn't see a lot of success and they released a lot of like in my opinion really great core product right like they released like mm-hmm. they released a lot of retro product around like the r698 the displays those are shoes that like if if you haven't tried them i think you should try them they're inexpensive and they're incredibly comfortable for shoes that came out you know in the 90s but what i do think where they're really like elevating their game right now is not only just stepping into basketball and and you know i don't know that that's been successful yet because you see a lot of the shoes still sitting at the stores but keep in mind that it's not the fact that a shoe doesn't sell out doesn't mean it's not successful right like people buy the shoes all the time that, that don't necessarily sell out but I do think with like the kind of chunkier running shoes, the RSX stuff, like the you know the partnerships, and I know you you worked with them a little bit, Jacques. But like the level of the partnerships and the level of creativity that they've had in pushing those products out, and the number of people right. that I see that have never worn a Puma before on social media that aren't necessarily being paid, 
that definitely has been a game changer for them in my opinion so um i think a lot of it is them stepping out of their comfort zone you know if you look at like the last three to four years and them really going with like traditional this is our old product we're going to retro it the same way that you know nike has always had success in just bringing back the air max models or bringing back the jordans and that doesn't work for a lot of the brands because they didn't have the same level of success the first time through and i think with puma right there you know you can buy like their pinnacle running shoe from the 90s like the the og r698s black and pink that was like a probably a ninety dollar shoe retail. You can you can probably find them right now for twenty or thirty dollars, brand new in stores and on eBay and discount sites. And you will never see you know a Nike shoe that low at that level. Like right. an Air Max One in in like University Red is never going to be below you know fifty or sixty bucks because there's just a bigger demand for it. So I I do think Puma yeah. has done really well. Um, it's it's to me it's all about them getting out of their comfort zone you know uh i think they've i think they've done a good job and full disclosure here uh, i have worked with puma quite a bit in the last six to nine months um but as always uh i i keep it absolutely 100 and tell you exactly how i feel um i think they've been doing a good job for the last little bit i think marketing wise they've been really getting their name out there and i think that really makes a difference as far as like i think people everyone knew about puma but i don't think puma really played in this space very well and i think now that sort of perspective on puma is changing and you know it's one of those things where when people see influencers or other people wearing them they start to think oh maybe it is okay to wear Pumas. It is kind of cool. And one of the shoes that I think is really helping bridging that bridge that gap is the is the new RSX, which is based on like their running shoe from like the 80s. And it, I think that shoe is definitely make making a bit of a change. The the basketball shoe, the uh the Clyde Court Disrupt or the Clyde Court I guess is just called um I think people are starting to kind of come around to it when they see how comfortable it is. Um, they they are using their own version of of Boost. I guess you wouldn't technically call it Boost. Uh, they call it, um, uh, but it's a hybrid tech between with their Ignite and then their version of Boost, which I I think is called Infinergy. Um, I could be totally wrong about that. I might be mixing up the titles, but seems like they're doing a good job there. But it I think if they continue to build on what they started in 2018, I think 2019 could be really exciting for them. I, I really hope that they they take a really continue to be active continue to be like in your face continue like not apologize for who they are and their legacy product and just being out there and putting it out in front of people i think it could be really exciting for them but we'll see uh also and when speaking about puma something else that's interesting that they're doing and this was actually mentioned in the uh from who was that from there's a a comment oh xavier about it from xavier yeah xavier jones about companies playing uh in the social social justice space uh nike obviously did it with kaepernick and puma is going after it pretty tough with the stuff the shoe one that the shoe that they did for trayvon martin and now they're doing one about prison reform and uh i personally like that they're being so active in the political space i think part of it is yes it's part part of it is marketing and being known for a brand that's you know that cares about the community um but also like the money that's that's funneling being funneled into the community and the money that's being uh being used as a result of these things are definitely helping the community so i'm all for it and i think it definitely helps out so i'm i I think it's good i think it's genuine especially with like them having meek meal on their roster it's obviously something that's important to him like for the prison reform and you know with jay-z being the head these are topics that that fall close to heart for those influencers and those people that are helping run that business. So yeah, to me, it makes sense that they're playing in that, in that, in that, uh, in that pool or in the, and on that playground. Yeah. And I think like Xavier was, was asking, you know, kind of if, how we felt about the, you know, if it's just the brands trying to stay, trying to show that they're woke in the current like political climate. And I think that there's, I think that it's awesome that people are, you know, like, like Xavier, myself too, like just 
very uh, cautious when when you see the kind of stuff that's going on. But in the case of like Puma specifically, you know, having I look at that in a completely different way. I see it as like, you know, Meek Mill just got out of prison. He's looking at ways to change his life because he probably thinks a little bit differently after having you know his freedom taken away for a while. And whether that was wrong or right, I, I, we don't need to get into that. But like when you have those experiences that change you like that, I think that it's great to be able to have the brand behind him, you know, both financially and, and, you know, with like just general reach of consumers because, you know, Meek Mill, even though he's connected to Jay-Z and Jay-Z has been wanting to, you know, like support his, his like efforts, when you have a big massive company that's worth, you know, millions or billions of dollars, it just changes the level of reach that you can get and things that you can change when you want to create change. And to me, that's, you know, the, the, at the core of what's going on here. I do think that brands try to step into that, you know, like we've, we've talked a lot about kind of sustainable products and stuff over the past year. And those, there's a lot of brands that, that step, step into, you know, a particular, you know, kind of initiative and then, you never hear anything about it. And that's when I think it kind of shows their true colors of like, well, did they really care about that? Or did they just throw some money at it to see if they could sell some product? Um, but I think it's a great question though. I mean, it, you know, to me, like the prison reform and the Trayvon Martin stuff, having Puma put any kind of energy or money towards those things to, to help improve is awesome. I think it's a Agreed. it's an interesting time and it's it's a very powerful time actually you know it, but it yeah. kind of takes me back to I don't know if you remember when Apple started to do those ads about PC and like if you were a PC person you were like yeah, this yeah, type yeah, of person yeah. but if you were an Apple person yeah. you were this type of person so that's that's kind of what I think of with some of these social causes they're they're trying to say like look this is what we stand for if you're like us join us you know, use yeah. our product, and and it's part of feeling included in something, and and now it's on social causes, which is is really fascinating. So, um, I think I think the brands have seen variable levels of success, and also, I mean, when Nike talked about um, Colin Ka- or Colin Kaepernick, like. I mean, that was talked about for so long. They got so much free advertising out of it that it was a huge beneficial. It was just so beneficial to them. But at the same time, I actually think they, you know, that matches kind of their ethos and and their whole kind of vision and what they stand for. So it's pretty fascinating to, to watch how it evolves in the future, although... I think we talked about this before, you know, like, is it gonna get to a point of oversaturation at some time? I don't know. Mm. I, I think so. Definitely. Yeah. You know, the interesting thing about that is like a lot of this is because all of us are we're in a, t- a time where everything is hypersensitive. Right. And that's that's not just like politics. That's like throwing the social media stuff on top of politics. So you have these two things that like completely elevate every little thing, you know, like somebody can be upset about the littlest thing. And it turns into a big thing and people jump on it because they want to be supportive or they want to, you know, see change. And sometimes that's like genuine and sometimes they're just jumped on the bandwagon to, you know, that because that's what social media tends to do. But I do think that Mm -hmm. because of the political climate and the elevated like tensions that are there, even the littlest things that we, you know, we, we might not have seen it two, three, five, ten years ago, but brands are brands are always aware of what's going on, right? And a lot of times brands end up separating themselves from, you know, individuals within their brand within the company that have political views in order to stand for something because it's something that, you know, a a large group of people, you know, can get behind. And I think that because politics is so sensitive right now you're seeing a lot of brands kind of try to it's almost become like the 
the thing to do in the same way that like having a cool office for a company was 10 or 15 years ago where it's like, Hey, we have cereal in the office that makes us cool. Or we have, you know, free, (laughs) free soda or whatever those things are, right? Like we have nap pods, like all these things are really trendy, but all of us are like Mm -hmm. more sensitive to these social injustice things because we can't get away from them whether we want to or not. They're going to be in our face on social media. The politicians are going to throw it in our face to try to get us to be, you know, one way or another. And because of that, it almost makes us, I don't know, like kind of like numb to it in a sense, you know, but I do think that at its core with a lot of what's going on, it's, um, it's genuine right now. It's just that we're all kind of just like on pins and needles and eggshells or whatever, wanting to know what's going to happen next. (laughs) It's definitely a a weird time in, uh, in the world. And, you know, everyone is definitely sensitive to this sort of stuff. So, yeah, Yeah, it's interesting. So, you know, fans, uh, you know, I shouldn't call you guys fans, audience. I don't know. Audience, friends, 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 that's a word. Friends, friends. Let us know what you think. Do you think brands are genuine when they get involved in social causes, whether that's uh, building community centers or uh, something like this with Puma, where they're doing and uh, getting involved in prison reform? Let us know what you think uh, at Outside Pods on all of the platforms. Uh, moving on to something I'm going to say is the future. Uh, AR Kicks. Augmented reality kicks. So there's a new app called Wanna Kicks, which probably should get a better name. um, By (laughs) branding by Jacques (laughs) Slate. Yeah, branding by Jacques Slate. Branding lesson. Um, So the app is called Wanna Kicks. It's in beta right now. It's from Wanna Be. So I guess that's where the Wanna comes, um, which lets you virtually try on your next pair of kicks. It looks pretty cool. I haven't had a, actually had a chance to play with it, but it looks like they have some Nike product in there. They have some Adidas product in there. And basically what it is is you use the app, the, um, the, the sorry, the camera on your phone, and it literally puts shoes on your feet, and you can see how they look in person almost. Um, I, for one, am all for this. I think it's really, really dope because it allows you to try on shoes that you may not ever really get a chance to see and i know a lot of times and this has happened quite a bit for me where there's a shoe that i see it online and i'm like oh that's dope that looks great but then i put it on my feet and i see it on and i'm like ah doesn't look as good as i originally hoped so i i guess for me my thought is like it has to has a couple has to has to have a couple things one it has to have a great toe down like the the, the toe down perspective needs to be on point um, I think that's, as a sneakerhead, that's something that I'm always paying attention to. Um, the heel shot, how it looks from the back, always needs to look nice. And then, like, the side shot or the profile shot. Like, those need to be locked in. And from reading the article, which is over on TechCrunch, if you want to read it, you can actually walk in the shoes as well. And it'll show, like, you walking in the shoes. And I just I just think that's absolutely fantastic. It's really cool. This is This is the kind of stuff that I was super excited about early on when I found out about augmented reality and obviously being in the sneaker world I'm like oh that's really dope to be able to kind of have this augmented reality version of sneakers or being able to put your sneakers on in that sort of way is kind of is where where my my mind went obviously I'm not smart enough to put something like that together but to see it happen I think is pretty cool and you know I think it opens up the door for even brands to try out silhouettes that they haven't even made yet. They're just like, oh, this is something we're thinking about. What do you guys think about this? Use the Wanna Kicks app. They don't use a better name and try these out. <laughs> but so I think it's cool. So I don't know. I think I think it's a pretty cool thing. What do you guys think? Well, to me it's all about the accurate representation, right? Like I don't want to try. I mean, I think it's cool. I I do want to try it. But if it doesn't, if if I, for example, try on a pair there and I buy it and I get them home and they don't look the same, that's what I'm worried about. Uh, Um, And so I'm curious as to how they're doing that. I'm assuming they already kind of took care of that. Um, But that's kind of what I would worry about. The the other thing is like um, how materials lay. Um, And so like... 
you know, certain materials and shoes, if the shoe isn't like super form fitted, if you will, if it's a little bit baggy, I'm wondering if you're going to see it or notice in this app. Um, and so how certain materials lay, like, you know, there's some wrinkles here and there sometimes in some shoes and like, I'm wondering, and maybe I'm being way too nerdy and specific, but I'm wondering if it kind of shows that kind of thing to, to be really accurate representation or if it just makes all shoes look good on you. Yeah, I, I agree. Like there's, it has to be really close to real, right? It, I mean, it, there's so many shoes that, that just don't look right where you could take a great picture from a certain angle or from a you know certain perspective and make it look great right and you know marketing people have figured this out anyway right you see it on all the websites that you're buying sneakers from where it's like oh these shoes look great does it look the same on your feet Mm, probably not but i do think that this technology and and jacques kind of hinted at it right like if you think about like what happened with uh, the Air Max kind of, I forget what they called it, but the Air Max challenge where Sean Weatherspoon got to do the his Air Max 97 Air Max 1 hybrid, where that was originally a contest, right? Where like the, the you know, handful of people got to design and or you know, come up with their ideas and then the winner got to actually have the shoe created and Sean was the winner and that shoe was created. This like Jacques said, could turn into something that's really powerful for brands if they're able to let people, you know, like customize the the shoes, pick colors, or it's almost like taking like Nike ID or my Adidas and putting it on, you know, steroids in order to determine what could come out. I see that as like the biggest potential value for Mm -hmm. like this use. It is cool to, to be able to see like the examples that they have, like showing, you know, like skateboarding and, and walking around and kind of like, you know, showing the different views of your foot is definitely better than what I've ever seen in any kind of augmented reality sneaker app. Um, but I think Tiffany's point about the materials, like for me, that's like a huge thing, right? If I, if I know that the materials are nice, that's a better selling point and I know that they like look well look the way i want them to look on on the shoe that's a better selling point to me than just being able to see a shoe you know on my foot in some sort of ar app i don't know what do you think yeah yeah i I agree i mean i agree i mean because right if you just pay attention to the return policies you can order it you know as long as you have the money to float it you you try it on and then you send it back you know where you get the real thing and this would be super helpful if it was super accurate. Yeah. And let, and let's be totally clear. This is marketing. This is yeah. just to get you to buy stuff. Like where we I I know I'm talking about the cool parts of it, but really this is just to get you to buy stuff. Um it reminds me a little bit there's a there's an app called House. Oh yeah. Where yep. you can put virtual yeah. furniture yeah. into yeah. your house. Um <laughs> so I I expect it not I expect it to look at least as good as that. Um, I haven't bought anything from House yet, but I've used it to, you know, toss around ideas of like, oh, what would this chair look like here? Or what would this painting look like on this wall? So I think it's pretty cool in that regard. So, um, but at the end of the day, again, this is a way to sell you stuff. So (laughs) as cool as I think it is, I want to make sure we can make it clear to the audience that this is about buying things with all the 3D geometry and algorithms and neural networks that they use to make it happen, um, it's really just to get the coin out of your pocket. So yep. don't lose sight of that I thought, and all of the coolness. I thought I saw your studio on house. I wasn't sure though. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like the same background, but I wasn't sure. <laughs> That's very funny. You know, well, you know, I'm moving on up here, Tiffany. I'm moving on up here. That's funny. Uh, but moving on to a story that um, I, I'm kind of ex- I'm interested in to hear about, and it's about the Yeezy Boost. Apparently, um, in the, I believe, was it the last six months or the last quarter of 2018, Yeezy sneaker sales grew by 600%. Now, my thought is that is... I feel like this number is a little misleading 
but I guess oh I guess it's not misleading at all. They made more Yeezys, and that's why they sold more Yeezys. Um, I don't. I, I feel like they throw this number out there as if there's a larger demand for Yeezys, but I think it's just like they made more and people wanted them all along and they were finally able to buy them. I don't know. I don't know. My, I feel like I'm reading into this. Maybe I'm reading into this, to this the wrong way. I mean, it's exciting, obviously, that Yeezys are selling and that more Yeezys are selling, but I don't. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like it's they seem like to be celebrating it, but. It's not. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know how to what where how to get that out. I just feel like it's just a the numbers are bigger just because they they made more, not because there was a bigger demand for them. If that makes any sense. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think that obviously they've they've talked about upping production. You know, Kanye wants to have everybody have access to Yeezys, and I think that the, the Adidas is helping him make that happen. And at, if that's his goal, then that's going to continue to happen, right? You're going to continue to see bigger production numbers. You're going to see more profits. But that doesn't necessarily mean that there is more demand because a lot of what happens now on the sneaker market, if you have, let's say you have, you know, 1 million pairs of every Yeezy or 5 million pairs of every Yeezy, those shoes eventually are going to sell out at retail, None of them are going to get discounted because they're going to keep, they want the brand to, the, the Yeezy brand to have as much brand equity as possible. So all these retailers right. that got these shoes are going to, going to sit on them because eventually somebody will come in and see them and say, you know, hey, I, I didn't know I could still get these Yeezys. I mean, in, in LA, I've probably been to, in the past like two to three weeks, I've probably been to seven or eight different sneaker stores and there are still Yeezys sitting in almost every store now that doesn't necessarily mean that uh, that i don't think that's a bad thing i think that it's actually a good thing that people can come in and see it and buy it but what happens when they sell through a lot of that stuff like on the the easy website or the adidas website is those shoes are bought and then they're put onto another marketplace right so if they make if they go from a million shoes to two million shoes that doesn't necessarily mean that there's going to be a one million more people that want that easy. That just means that all the people that got them on Adidas.com or Easy Supply or wherever took them and they're either sitting on them or they're they have them in a consignment store or they have them on StockX or Goat or you know eBay or, or in Stadium Goods. Like there's so many places where people just can almost like not not for free but like list the shoes and like just wait for somebody to come along and buy them so everyone kind of has this perception that they might be able to make a little bit of money off of a pair of Yeezys the reality is like that demand is hasn't really changed you know it might go up and down a little bit but it's not going to go up six times over the course of a quarter uh, unless there's something like absolutely insanely different about the shoes and like the last shoes in this quarter from Yeezy and Adidas were pretty nice. Like the the you know, static pack stuff was you know kind of hit on the reflective materials and stuff that sneakerheads have always enjoyed and and have always wanted. Right. But to think that it went six times that amount, I think it's a little misleading. And just it's the shoes are just shifting. It's just shifting from who's going to sit on those shoes, right? They can sit on the easy supply site, or they can sit in you know, the, the buyer's hands or the sellers on StockX or goat or whatever else. So I don't know. That's my, or they're sitting in a huge warehouse at Adidas somewhere. Right. Like, I mean, Mm. it's all a numbers game, right? So if you sell 10 of something and then you sell 60 of it, you just made 600%, right? Like if you sell a hundred and then 600, it's the same thing. So I'm thinking more like that they may have sold 10,000 pairs on average. And now with this bigger launch, they will sold 60,000 pairs. And so that's a 600% right. growth, right? So it's all relevant to the numbers, I think. Um, I mean, good for them for orchestrating this 600% sales growth. Like that's a great story for them. But the moment you start right. to look into it, it's not like you went from making billion, millions to trillions. I mean, they're not right. they're not at that level. I mean, if they were, we would hear about it. I guarantee we'd hear about it. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely, absolutely. So if in, they sold through a million or so yeah. pairs, they'd say something. Yeah, that would be talked about like 
<laughs> big time. So, um, yeah, it's all relevant. I mean, I think it's good. I'm, I'm glad the Yeezy brand's doing well. I hope it is doing as well as they say, because I think it's going to be challenging if, if they're like making it seem like it's doing better than it really is. Yep. Mm, interesting. All right, I'm, I'm going to steer the pot a little bit here. Do you guys, either of you, see a day when Yeezys, like the 350 V2s, are just in store like an Air Force One or just like an inline sneaker? I think that that is eventually Kanye's goal. I think Adidas has done that with the Ultra Boost, so I think that it's not, it wouldn't be a surprise to me if that happens, and I think that part of why that almost has to happen is in order for the sales to actually grow, um, like new consumers need to see the shoe and new consumers are only going to see that shoe in person that, you know, in my opinion, like going into an Adidas original store or, you know, their foot lockers and stuff like that. Um, I, I agree with Nick in that. I think that's what they want to happen. But, um, I think if you look at all the big ones, like the air force one, the dunk, um, now I wasn't paying attention to sneakers when they came out, but I don't think they were like huge when they came out. You know, they're pretty, they're pretty mellow. They fit across a whole bunch of people where the Yeezys tend to be pretty polarizing, right? Like their designs are pretty right. out there and aggressive and different. So, um, I'd be surprised. I mean, can you imagine anyone from a three-year-old to a 70-year-old wearing a Yeezy right now? I mean, I kind of can, but right. but maybe not. I don't know. It, it, would, it would be weird to me to see everyone in, in Yeezys, but again, like some of these futuristic movies, I could actually see it happening. So we'll see. I think they definitely yeah, are I've, trying. Yeah, I think they're definitely trying as well, and I, I feel like that's something Kanye would definitely want. But I guess my my concern when I think about it, Tiffany, is does that devalue Kanye's brand as because I feel like a lot of his brand sustains on the hype around him. And if the hype around him or his footwear dies, is he the the asset that he used to be uh, or like, will he be comfortable as, like, the inline sneaker designer, or is it well, just... Again, I got... And I, go ahead. Well, I think it, it's like Michael Jordan, right? Like, so no one predicted his brand would become sort of household, right? Like... Right. And so, but he managed to have the Air Jordan 1, which is across everywhere, right? Like, you can't go 30 feet without seeing an Air Jordan 1, more or less. But then he still right. has a lot of hype shoes. So I think it's totally possible, but I think it um, I think it has to be more relatable. And I think there needs to be more time. Like the Yeezy brand is so young still. Like I just don't think yeah. there's been enough time for it to develop and grow. I think he can keep it fresh and he can keep it hype and then he can have some some standard shoes. You know, I, I think I think he thinks he can have an entire Nike of his own where he's, you know, cranking out a thousand different silhouettes a year, you know, like I think he has grand, grand vision. So I think it's possible. I mean, why not? And and messing with Kanye. Yeah. I say messing with Kanye. He seems to be able to do whatever he wants. So don't don't. I guess we shouldn't doubt the man. Yeah. Yeah. Don't. I do think that it's interesting to think about that, though. Like a lot of people don't you know that's something that's like more of a societal thing right now a lot of people don't understand the you know um the level of the the amount of work that goes into getting people to certain level of fame or success you know i I, and this is totally kind of off tangent but i just listened to a podcast with mkbhd right and Mm -hmm. you know he's one of those youtubers that's so incredibly successful and so top level in my opinion but you know, you don't, he's talking, he was talking about how he literally uploaded, you know, his first hundred or 200 videos with less than a hundred subscribers. And to me, that's the thing that I think Kanye kind of, uh, faults him. It's, it's one of like my, in my opinion, one of his kind of faults is that he has these big visions, but a lot of times in order to make something big come together and actually be successful you've got to be able to have you know trust in 
dozens of people, if not hundreds or thousands of people on the scale that he's trying to do things. And that I think is the biggest challenge, you know, for him to, to get to that level. Right. Because like Tiffany said, he doesn't have the, he doesn't have the, the, you know, 40 years of Nike history. He may have, you know, 20 or 30 years of things that he likes. You know, I think like, as you get older, you, you recognize a lot of things from your past that could become something for your future. But in order to do that, like he can't possibly have the last say on, let's say a thousand, you know, sneaker designs. Like it's just not feasible for him to do that because in order for him to give Mm -hmm. feedback and refine those designs and make them what he wants, that's a lot of work to go through and do that for a thought. I mean, imagine that, like, even if you broke it down into day, that would mean that he'd be doing three a day. Like the, the amount of time that it would have take him to it's manageable it's actually i think it's manageable i think so but i don't know that he has the the trust of that many people to make those things happen as he's as he's doing it right like he seems to be one of those people that is very controlling and that's been a very successful thing for him and why he's been successful because he's so detail oriented about a lot of the things that he wants but that would take so many people to be able to crank out that many that I just don't know that he would ever allow him, you know, like kind of rein in the, like the chaos that he seems to create. And maybe that's all just show and, you know, trying to keep his name in everybody's, you know, feeds, but I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Cause I think, you know, he, he took on music, right. And he became successful in music. Right. right? And now he take, he took on fashion and footwear, you know? So it's like, I think it's interesting. He's still learning, and you know, by no by no means am I defending him, but I I respect that he goes after things that he wants. And oh yeah, absolutely. He I tries understand. new things, and it he does it. He ends yeah. up being successful, and so you know, he's diving into this footwear thing, and he's what five six. I should know this. Maybe ten years in now, so he's yeah. actually you know he's starting to learn, and and I have no doubt this isn't the last industry he's going to get into. Like he's gonna. He's already proven he's successful in this, and then he's probably going to go to something else, you know. But if he chose to stay in footwear, who knows? I mean, he could he could create his own brand and just be like, no, change that, change yeah. that, make this look like that. Done. Like it could be a it could be an hour meeting, and he just went through ten shoes, and you make those changes, right? Like if they sell, yeah, maybe you make so. Those changes. Yeah. That would be so crazy. I mean, imagine like imagine seeing Super like you like you know five years from now seeing like. Uh, all having us talk about Nike, Adidas, Yeezy, Puma, Asics, you know, like as if it's, you know, it's on that level of like, like, you know, I mean, that would just be so insane. I'd love to see him do it just because it's so crazy. Like that'd be, that'd be, yeah. To think of like the Yeezy brand yeah. like that. I mean, that'd be, that'd be actually be pretty. Yeah. Cool. Think I 10 think so. years ago when he just started, did you ever think there would be Yeezy brand? No, no way. Right. And yeah. now we're like, it's just yeah. commonplace. It's just, everybody knows there's a Yeezy brand. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 Everybody knows. Yeah. And, and Yeezy is definitely a brand for sure yep. at this point. Yep. He's a, he parlayed that music success into something way bigger than I think any of us ever expected. So kudos to him. Kudos to, to, to Mr. Ye. Um, so quick transition here to Nike. Um, so Nike is in a bit of a bit of hot water right now uh, over their shoe, the Air Max 720. And it's not even I, I, I kind of feel like it's not even the Air Max 720 because I feel like we've seen this logo before on other shoes. But there is currently a petition uh, about the Air Max 720, the shoe it actually releases this week. Um, because the Air Max at the bottom, it's a stylized version of the word Air Max, and they are being. It's, there's a request to recall it on uh, over on Change.org, because if you flip the shoe, if you flip the logo upside down and you um, look at just a few of the letters, it's similar to the word Allah. In uh, which is obviously one a sacred word in Islam, uh, and it's it's the shape is very similar to the word Allah in Arabic. Now um, you do kind of have to flip the shoe upside down and then turn the logo upside down and exclude the X and the A from the word, but it's definitely similar. 
Um, so there's a, a obviously a bit of controversy about that. There's a petition. That it looks like that when this article was originally posted that there were, this is on January 28th, what's today is the 29th? Today the 30th, there were 6,000 signatures. And as of right now, there are, I believe, about 17,000 signatures. Uh, yeah, about 17,400, almost 17,500 17, signatures. And they are requesting that Nike stop selling the shoes uh, because they consider it blasphemous and offensive to sell a product with the word Allah on it. And I imagine it doesn't help that it's the logos on the bottom of the shoe and that you're basically walking on the name of Allah, which I imagine the Muslim community is not going to take very lightly. Um, now, this is not the first time something like this has happened to Nike. I can't remember the shoe. I feel like it was Dennis Rodman's shoe was, uh, that had Tim, this. Tim Hardaway, the Air Bacon in 1997. was. Uh, there yeah, you so, go. Uh, basically, what, what happened then was, it, I mean, it was a, a stylized logo. The Air logo on the back was stylized like in flames. Um, you know, personally, I think it looked m- more... Um, like there was a seemed more legitimate concern then um than what it is now because Mm -hmm. you're you know you're trying you're having to cut apart the logo to to you know to to get to the point of the people that are petitioning for this but i do think that you know like back then nike changed it they recalled all the shoes that had that air logo and Ever since then, when that shoe's come back out, it's just had a traditional Nike Air with the swoosh in between um, as the logo on the heel. But to your point, it was also on the heel, and they were, you know, quick to pull it off the market. Um, it's kind of interesting this right. time around that they basically are saying that that there isn't a similarity and that they're not, um, you know, they're not planning on changing anything about the shoe. Yeah, yeah. So Nike actually made an official statement to Hypebeast about it. And the statement is, Nike respects all religions and we take concerns of this nature seriously. The Air Max logo was designed to be a stylized representation of Nike's Air Max trademark. It is intended to reflect the Air Max brand only. Any other perceived meaning or representation is unintentional. Um, So they make it very clear that, you know... I guess that they they understand the concern and they get what people are saying, but there is there is no intentional like correlation between the two. It's simply a, a stylized version of the Air Max logo, um, which is very interesting. And um, I get I get both perspectives. And this is something you know where I guess you know both sides have to kind of you know put 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 their uh, arguments out and the the community or you know the audience or consumer has to decide whether whether or not it's something that they want to support or if it's something that they don't feel is intentional and it's um i i don't know how i feel about it i feel like if it was just the logo i think that would be one thing but because it is a part of the logo within the words i guess i'm and I don't see it as much as it would have been with the air bacon, where it was like the logo looked like the word yeah. as opposed to this, where it's like three letters within the word are perceived. And the reason that that the reason that that happened is uh, for those that don't know, it's a, the logo combines the R from air and the M from max together to make one letter or one, I guess, character and that's that's what allows really this to happen and then obviously the a's are slanted so yeah it's it's interesting um i don't know uh i don't i don't know what what where this will end up or what what'll come of this but it's um it's definitely something interesting and you know taking taking into account the, the you know the response and you know the um i guess the the other the disrespect that this uh, the, the community has taken it was started by a girl named uh i'm probably going to damage her name here and to say this wrong Noreen. i don't know it's s-a-i-q-a-n-o-r-e-e-n 
Uh, if you want to check it out, the petition is on change.org. And if you want to see Nike's request to it, I mean, Nike's response to the petition, you can check that out over on Hype Beast. Um, and, you know, you decide what side you're on. Again, the question for you as friends, let us know what side you're on in regard to this. And I guess not even really what side you're on, but just how you feel about the controversy as a whole. You don't really have to pick a side. Just let us know, uh, you know, what you think about it in general. And with that, I think that's going to wrap up the show today. It was a good show. But, oh, sorry, before I go. So this is something that I thought about today when I was running. <laughs> uh, and I'm going to try to do this with everything that we do. Uh, I want to end. I want to end the show on like a positive note every oh, time. Man. So um, I'm, I'm going to pose a question to you guys, and it'll be the same question every week. Um, I just want to know. Uh, tell me something that you're really excited about right now, and something that you want to learn right now. So I'll start with you, Nick. Uh, so something that I'm excited about right now. Um, I'm actually going to be creating another like YouTube thing soon that I'll share later, but yeah. I'm really excited about it. Nice. Um, okay, I like that. Something that I want to learn or something that I have recently learned? Uh, either way, either way. So I actually want to learn Japanese. That's one of my goals this year is to start so I took Spanish when I was in high school, and I've actually been, I use an app called Duolingo, which, uh, you know, I've kind of just been brushing up on it for the past mm, three months. Um, nice. But that's, that's on my list of things to learn. How about you, Tiffany? Love it. Well, those are great. Congratulations on both of those. <laughs> nice. um, I'm sure. really excited. Uh, I'm just moving in the process of moving, so I'm really excited uh, to be in the Bay Area and, and kind of experience all this. And I am learning patience in traffic. Um, I want to. <laughs> I want to learn more. You know, I I never grew up in the city or anything like that. So like I'm using like the trains and things like that. And you have to figure out logistics of getting to work. And it's so different in a big city. So um, if anyone has any good blogs or anything, please link them and tag me so I can learn how to get around in the city. That's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, as for me, uh, I, I, uh, something that I'm really excited about is uh, like motion graphics. I've been fascinated by it, by it for a very long time, and I'm really starting to kind of dip my toe in it, and I want to use it as a way to make my videos better that I create on YouTube. So that's something that I'm really excited about because I've been just dibbing and dabbing in that a little bit. And then something I want to learn is I want to be a better photographer. I think I take okay pictures now, um, but I really want to be able to, I feel like the composition of my pictures isn't where it needs to be. And that's something that I'm really excited to to really pursue in 2019 is to get better at that, just because I think there's a there's a, just a good opportunity there for me just to be better, and I think it'll help my videos as a whole. So, those are kind of um, both of my I guess both of mine were very video centric, but yeah, those are kind of the things where I'm super excited about and things that I want to learn for this year. So, cool. yeah, I don't know. I just thought it'd be cool to, to awesome. start ending ending the show on a on like on a, on a positive note on things that we're excited about, things that we want to learn to make ourselves better. Um, so, you know. Friends out there, let us know what you're excited about or something you want to learn. You can reach us at Outside Pods on all of the places. We're going to get out of here. I am Jacques Slade. Uh, this is the Outside the Box podcast where we talk about anything that we want, uh, mostly sneakers and technology because that's the worlds that we live in. Um, you can find me at Custo all over the internet. That's K-U-S-T-O-O. -O. I'm on all of the places. But that's really not important. Again, what you're here for is the mind of Nick and the mind of Tiffany, their insight, their intelligence, and just just the witty banter that they provide on the show. So, Nick, tell them where they can find you. Uh, at Nick Ingvall, N-I-C-K-E-N-G-V-A-L-L -L on all platforms. Uh, you can also find me at Sneaker History on all platforms. Um, but, you know, I think as, as uh, our conversation on patents clearly showed, both Jacques and I really are here to learn from Tiffany. So Tiffany, let them know how they can connect with you. True, true. 
Uh, Tiffany Beers, you can find me on Instagram and YouTube or at Outside the Pods. Now, Jacques, I mean, I think we left one thing out of the show. Relationship advice. Uh-oh. Is it coming next time? Uh, can we talk about relationship yeah, advice? Yeah, I'm. Time? I would love to talk about relationship advice. And with that being said, friends, if there are some things that you're going through, if there is a woman you're pursuing or there's a man that you're pursuing, uh, I'm here to help you at the Outside the Box podcast. We do it different. And uh, we're here to help you. We're here to lead you. We're here to teach you. Uh, If we need to hold your hand, if you need us to be in your ear during the date, you know, that's the kind of that's the kind of podcast this is. We're here to help. We we want to make your lives better in in things on a positive note. Thanks for reminding me, Tiffany. So don't forget to submit your uh, questions for relationship advice. Uh, outside pods everywhere. We're here for you. All right, guys. With that being said, as always, we appreciate you. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed another show. I did because I get to talk to these two amazing, amazing individuals. We will see and or talk to you guys next week. So have a good week. Peace. See ya.